0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Just Work, soon-to-be Radical Respect podcast. I'm Kim Scott, and
1: I'm Wesley Faulkner. Glad to be here on the show again. And we have for our guest, Dr. Phil. Not that Dr. Phil. Uh, let's <laughs> go ahead and pass him on to Scott. here. Yes, and let him introduce himself. Doctor, please.
2: Hello, guys. Thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Uh, it's it's an honor, and, and yes, I'm I'm Dr. Phil. Would you like me to tell a little bit more about Please. myself? Or? Yes,
0: a lot more about yourself. You sound
2: different, <laughs> Dr. Phil. Well, I, I also have hair up top, but uh, <laughs> you know how that goes. So, I I, um, I have five graduate degrees and a doctorate. Uh, I did everything in the field of education, uh, from a you know a, a assistant teacher to a teacher, a school psychologist, a counselor assistant principal, a principal um, in all areas from K to 12, a director of education, assistant superintendent, and area superintendent in some of the largest school districts in the United States. I had 300 schools and 210,000 students. Wow. I was also, yeah, I was also a superintendent in the rural area of Mississippi. And then I was a national ambassador for United States Department of Education. Um, I did a lot of work with uh, Amazon, Apple. Um, and I was senior manager at Oracle. Uh, and so looked at, you know, developing health tech and those kind of things. Uh, then I started my own company, um, Playbook, which is an innovative reading technology that uses artificial intelligence, uh, natural language processing and speech recognition to help children learn how to read. And then in my pastime or my, you know, for fun, um, it, you know, when I'm not I'm building companies, I also have a, a couple of nonprofits. Uh, and then I've been a professor, adjunct professor for about 17 years. Uh, and then also uh, I have a, um, a psychology company um, that helps schools uh, do a lot of assessment, child find assessments and and, and those kind of things. And wow. do you sleep?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: I think I sleep, but you know, I also think a couple of hours is, is what I consider sleep. But, oh yeah. my
0: gosh. <laughs>
1: you get more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs>
0: that's good that's good and so before we jump into i I have a question for you about what's going on with teaching kids to read in mississippi there's been a lot written about that lately and i would love to get your perspective on it
2: actually in mississippi um
0: seems to be leading the the way
2: yeah the leading the way in reading um and so when i was a superintendent i was also there on a task force with the state superintendent um we brought things in there, like letters. Uh, we looked at changing the instructional model of uh, mm-hmm. providing support. But please understand that um, regardless, there's in the in the entire United States, 75% of fourth graders read below grade level. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, and then that's, that's regardless of race, all those kind. of, when you start factoring a race, it, so that's fourth graders. The, the wow. entire population of African Americans, only 17% are proficient. Uh, at, at the eighth grade level. So, wow. it's, yeah, it's it gets scary. We know that, you know, that leads to dropouts. 73% of crime created in the United States created by high school dropouts. 82% of prison inmates have a reading impairment that just could have been some type of intervention. So the reason why I take re- reading is so serious, I, I know I'm probably boring you guys, but it's to me, it's a level of national security, um, you know, because one, we have the lowest level of dropouts I mean of uh high school graduates uh right now. Um they're we're, and they're, they're less and less.
0: As you a country, to, we do. As a country. Well, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well. If you think about it, uh and you know, when they talk about you know, when you look at the workforce, uh when you everything is gonna be high tech manufacturing and, and this kind of yeah. thing. And, yeah, and they even said in, in the year two thousand thirty-five, uh eighty-five percent of jobs that exist have not been invented yet but it will um, have some aspect of uh, technology and reading fluency. So that's why I kind of take that serious. But anyway, though, that's just me. <laughs>
0: I'm with you. Saving the
2: world. Yeah. <laughs> one one reader at a time, right? Yes.
1: <laughs> this reminds me of a podcast that I used to listen to. It was like a series, kind of like serial. It was called Sold a Story by Yes a- APM. I-, I love that podcast. It, like, un wrapping the the way that this country has taught kids how to read or taught them how not to read. Yes. Um, And so this is something that's near and dear to my heart as well. Um, As a person who has dyslexia, I struggle with reading and knowing and hearing the story and how we are not addressing how people read and how people can actually learn the right and proper way to read. Uh, I I think you're you're doing a service uh, that is actually um helping generations of us and I really appreciate it.
2: No, I appreciate that. Think about so my tools, I'm dyslexic as well. So I was a struggling reader in third grade. You know, my grandmother taught me how to read in fourth grade and she passed away on my fifth grade birthday. But mm. uh, so let me just 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 from a lay person, m- so my technology, it uses speech recognition. And not only and we have no third party tools. So everything, you know, is our proprietary engine. But not only can we hear speech, we can break it down to the phonemic level. So if you read the word bat, we hear b at or the lack thereof. Wow. So the reason why that's important, and, and we have a proprietary engine that can actually analyze errors, reading errors, and all those kind of things and give recommendations and use AI and those. But the reason why it's important is because the only way that we assess reading right now is we quietly have a child read a paragraph or answer multiple choice questions. That's reading comprehension that's wow. not even basic reading. The issue is that students struggle so much trying to decode that they don't have enough energy to understand what they read, right? Like they're, yeah. they're with all their effort, their brain power is going to decoding. Um but but yet what we assess and make interventions based off of is reading comprehension. And and just like uh you Wesley, I mean comprehension is not the issue. I can talk to you, we could talk all day. You know, I'm saying, you know, when you're a younger child, comprehension is not the issue. It's 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 decoding. The and, and then especially when you throw in something like dyslexia and there's different forms of dyslexia and you throw that in the mix and it's like, that's bananas. And on top of that, by the way, dyslexia uh, children are usually have one of the highest IQs.
1: So. <laughs> take that take that Uh, we don't want kim to feel bad
0: (laughs) i I don't know i i I, look i failed kindergarten too i I have dyslexia and because i couldn't learn to read uh i don't know why i couldn't learn to read but i couldn't i had a hard time in fact it's like a a a vivid memory there were 12 Mm. boxes of books in the back of the room and we were supposed to have read one book from each box and somehow I didn't get this memo (laughs) and and a friend of mine told me at the end of the year that I was supposed to have read these books and I was like oh wow I didn't know that you know (laughs) and and so I went and got the hardest book from the hardest box because that was one my mom had read to me all the time right and I read read it I had memorized it because I'd heard it so often I read it to the teacher perfectly and I was like I'm good and then the teacher pulled out flashcards <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and I didn't get any of, it was a traumatic moment. I was like, I still remember crying till I was hyperventilating. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't
1: oh, you not should get tested.
2: <laughs> not I Seriously, not being able to read by third grade. Um, the amount of shame uh, causes yeah. anxiety in children. They actually uh, say that they feel the same amount of shame as a child born to incest. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is that is to be taken seriously. It, um, is. it is, and and we need to we need to do better for our kids.
2: We do. They deserve absolutely. Them. Hey, listen. the The problem is, children are like, I don't know. I think it's twenty five to thirty percent of the population, but they're a hundred percent of our future.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> so we might want to get this
1: right. <laughs> yeah, yeah we but we also talk about not only that we, have, we love them. We have. We have book bans going on. We have uh, different types of materials where people aren't uh, allowed in school. Yeah. Um, So it's children are under assault, and and if you also remember, I don't want to get too political here, but the number one killer of kids is guns, and school shootings are, and the trauma that is with school with the drills and all that stuff. Uh, Yeah, kids are um, are endangered, and hopefully. you know, we can help to make sure that they they are our future, like they make it that far at least. Yeah. I mean,
2: abstract words come from reading if you don't have it in your environment. Yeah. And so the the reason why that's important is because solutions, conflict resolution happens at the abstract level, not the concrete sensory level. Yeah. If you only have it at the concrete sensory level, then that's the next step if you want to run out of words is physical altercations and then some, you know, also gun violence. And so, yeah, I mean, if, there's no way that you can solve problems because, like I said, problems are at the abstract level if you don't have that level of vocabulary and And so even if you look at um, uh, a, a children of poverty uh, by the age of three is at, actually exposed to three hundred thousand words uh, uh, children of uh, professional households, it's over three million words by the age of
1: three.: Wow. yeah. Yes. And speaking of, go go ahead. ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, speaking of words, I think, Kim, you have a reading that we have for the podcast. uh, (laughs) And I would love to hear those as well if you're okay with transitioning over to the reading portion of the podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this is such an interesting conversation. So I hope we'll get back to it. But this, uh, this, what, so. Where we are in the book is we've been talking about this taxonomy of bias, prejudice, bullying, discrimination, harassment, and physical violence, and now we're going back to what leaders can do about bias. So if you think about the taxonomy, we're going back to bias, to the beginning, and what leaders can do. And what I am asserting here, and again, uh, think about what I'm saying and tell me where I'm wrong. I'm, uh, I wrote another book called Radical Candor, and I, I want to walk that talk here. So tell me, tell me what makes sense and what doesn't make sense to you here. More importantly, what doesn't make sense. <laughs> so a shared vocabulary helps people know what to say when they don't know what to say. I'm referring to unconscious bias here. Becoming aware of something one is unaware of usually requires another person to point it out. But pointing bias out is awkward. Most people don't know what to say exactly, and they fear retribution for pointing it out or looking like they are virtue signaling. That's why it's helpful to have a norm of disrupting bias publicly and a go-to phrase that they know, so they know what to say when they observe bias, whether it's directed at them or another person. As good behavior becomes acceptable, people start to engage in it, making it yet more acceptable, creating a virtuous cycle. On the one hand, if the usual response to bias is silence, bias gets reinforced. Our virtuous cycle becomes vicious. Let's avoid vicious cycles. Reassure your team that disrupting bias is not public criticism. It's a quick collaborative correction and a sign of accountability. The first step to create a shared vocabulary. The first step is to create a shared vocabulary. You Maybe I never really learned how to read. I'm having a hard time here. You are not the word dictator. Sit down with your team and get their suggestions for a common phrase that everyone can agree to use to point out bias. If everyone is speaking the same language to disrupt bias at work, upstanders and people harmed will find it much easier to speak up. People who said or did a biased thing will more quickly understand that this is a helpful correction, not a character assassination. The key in this step is to allow the team to pick their own vocabulary. If your team comes up with their own words or phrases, rather than having you dictate them, they're more likely to actually use them. However, you do need to offer some guidance. Biased disruption will backfire if the phrases chosen are themselves unconsciously biased. Words matter. Give some time for your team to debate this. You can encourage I statements that invite everyone to consider the situation the way the speaker does, but the interruption doesn't have to be an I statement. It's not always easy to talk about disrupting bias with your team, and the conversation may be difficult. Some may feel that phrases like bias alert or yo trivialize the harm that bias does. Others may be irritated that you're wasting so much time on this, and you may feel stuck in the middle. Remind everyone of the goal, to disrupt bias without disrupting the meeting, to hold up a mirror for each other because you care about one another, not to attack people or to indulge in self-righteous shaming. Once a catchphrase is agreed upon, make sure everyone practices using it until the whole team knows how to deploy it quickly and kindly without drama. Make sure that it's not being weaponized. People should use it to invite others in, not to call them out. All right. What do you think? Would you do this in the classroom? Would you encourage kids when they notice each other saying things that are biased to say bias alert or yo, or something else? I don't think you meant that the way it sounded.
2: I think it's easier to do that in a school setting
0: mm-hmm. than like
2: you said, in a leadership setting. Yeah. It really depends on the culture of the company that you're working for. In a school setting, that's, that's almost expected to direct teach. Behavior to direct teach and pay attention to social emotional character education, those kind of things. Probably use the word "ouch," yes, um, uh, a lot. And so that's you know that's the way that I've seen it done, is you know if you've been offended or or something like that, just kind of use the word "ouch" when someone is projecting their, their um, biases. I think it would be harder in a in a work setting um, to do it.
0: So does that happen in the in the classroom very often? Do you, actually I I taught a, a version of of I did a sort of a presentation at my daughter's school and that's what they do. They say ouch and then the person who said the bias thing could say oops and and apologize.
2: Yeah, it depends on the depends on the culture of the school. Yeah. Well. If yeah. if there are schools who focus and there was a long there was a wave, a period that character, character education was taught, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by I think right now there's a, a a swing towards the other direction. Not that character education is taught, but my gosh, there <laughs> there's so much protection of the truth. Um, I think that that doesn't allow for those things to happen right now in the school settings. And then and then you have a lot of urban schools where, you know, the the priority of needs. Yeah, even though it is a high priority, the priority of needs is not there. It's really like a survival in a sense.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about the truth. I mean, what what I feel a little bit like with all this book banning. Well, anyway, let's talk about that in a minute. Wesley, tell me what tell me what you like and what you don't like about bias disruption and this notion of a shared vocabulary.
1: I, I was actually just struggling to deal with this in real time uh, because I don't know if you noticed it, Dr. Phil, you were saying the word guys as a generic term. Yeah. Uh, and I was just thinking about how do I say that that's not really an inclusive word? Like, I, and, But it's like, Wait. not. how do you say that Wait. without... <laughs> I don't have one available, but... <laughs> I'm going to send a you a bit more prepared flag. Yes. Um, it, it can be one in which... Um, you don't want to be disruptive, but you also don't want to trigger someone's shame, right? Yeah. Um. Some people have have feel like they did the worst thing in the world, and that it's attacking their sense of self. Whenever you point out something that someone said, I agree. And it feels like you're you're attacking who they are. Uh, oh, that's that's not who I am. That's not what I believe in, and uh, and um, and those things can be extremely de- derailing. They can't it. Can be. And it yeah, and then it feels like it. Then it just flips into the where the perpetrator becomes the 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 first person who feels like they've been victimized yeah. by uh, pointing out some of the their the the, the harm that they cause. Um, and then that pulls the attention away uh, from the person who actually felt harm or feels like it was non inclusive, or and so it's a delicate delicate balance and you have to read the room and you have to almost know the person. I think this leads more into what you're, the radical candor is that you have to know people personally and care deeply. And then they have to know that too. If you're going to be able to do this in a setting where it could be sensitive.
2: Yeah. Without a relationship, I don't think uh, it it can be as effective. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because people, like you said, people take offense to it. That person becomes defensive. They will not hear the rest of the words that you say. They're trying to formulate one. You know what is he? Is he is he calling me a bigot or, or you yeah. know whatever it is? I'm being insensitive. Yeah. And, and, and it's some weird. It's you know a lot of strong research even about carrying your stereotypes. So <laughs> the the research says that um, actually when you're more exposed to your stereotype, it strengthens your belief. And so for yep. instance if i say all black people are are loud and i come around black people who are not loud and the minute one black person is loud it justifies my stereotype even yeah. though everyone else was not it actually yeah. strengthens my stereotype and so it was you know in psychology it was kind of crazy when we try to flood people around you know their the opposite of their beliefs And it's just for some reason their mind just bypasses that and finds that one, you know, thing. Yeah. Confirmation
0: bias. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm only looking for the data that supports my point of view.
2: Yeah. And then regional. Regional has a lot to do with a lot of things like, uh, for instance, ma'am. You know, when I was in Mississippi and down south, mm-hmm. we always say, Ma'am, yeah. I went to the north and people are so offended. Don't call me yeah don't call me ma'am or or you know, when people say, uh my dad, sir. Yeah. Don't call me yeah. sir. I'm like, I'm being respectful. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Ouch. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Are you calling
2: yeah. me old or you know, it's all those <laughs> things. Like, Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I think that's why it's important for leaders to set up like we are gonna flag bias, and mm-hmm. and to set the context, like and help people build the kind of relationship where it is like, Doctor Phil. I I don't know you very well, but I I'm pretty sure you weren't gonna be offended by Wesley pointing out the you guys thing. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um. But also you agreed to come talk about bias with us, you know, and and I think that's why it's important to be able to, to talk about this, to talk about this and to talk about it kind of openly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. also for shame, I think that it is... One of the things that I have struggled with is that when I get accused, I'm, I'm just going to talk about myself. I don't know about everybody else. But when I get accused of saying or doing something biased, I feel very ashamed. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And in particular, I feel very ashamed if if, if it's racial bias. Mm-hmm. And, and the... The thing that I've really tried to focus on doing is realizing it that that's about me. Someone else didn't shame me. I feel ashamed because I just like I just said something that I that implies I believe something that I don't consciously mm-hmm. believe. Right. And right. Uh, and it's my job to move through the shame. It's not my job to ask everybody else to dance around my shame. Yeah. You know, like I got to own my own shame. I can't put that on other people.
2: Right. and, and there's, there's things of there's things that are sensitive that yeah. even when you try to um dance around it, it still pokes people, right? Yeah, uh, and it still depends. like um like sometimes when people say it just depends who it comes from. When people say, Do I call you black or do I call you African American? Or like what what do I
0: yeah.
2: it's like but then if someone like you can tell the sincerity and I don't know, but but like you said, people get tricked yeah. and you and sometimes you selectively unconsciously choose who you are pricked by, right? You know, internalize it differently per person. So, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Even uh, like you, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie get out where they say I would have voted for Obama three times. It's just like the (laughs) the sentiment with the words even doesn't feel right. Even if they're trying to find a way to navigate something. Um, I think it's that, uh, you know, like when you're trying to dance with a new partner, you are stepping on each other's toes um, and moving in directions that yeah. aren't necessarily going with the beat or the music. And then yeah. just finding that rhythm is just uncomfortable on both sides. Um, but it's worse when one like over indexes, indexes like too much on the the other and trying to relate or use things that aren't natural to them in order to kind of come together. So, yes. I, I don't even I, I think I was just off the rails there, but yes, <laughs> I
0: actually love that analogy. It is because it is kind of like dancing uh, and, and and learn learning how to get along with someone else is like learning another yes. person's all their things.
1: because you have and, your norms and you have social norms, but then yeah. like you were saying, Dr. Phil been somewhere you are geographically that those can be shifted anywhere. And then you also don't know where someone grew up or the, the value system they had. It's a big gumbo.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. People, people also, well, I, I mean, and we know this, but um, dialect, regional dialect yes. bothers people. And they associate that with education. Yeah. Uh,
0: I grew, I grew up in Memphis actually. <sighs> and And then I went to school in the North and when I got there, uh, the professor said something, and I said, "why." And he said, what? <laughs> Why? What? <Right>. Wah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, and I, I consciously, I think we talked about this before, Wesley, but I consciously changed my accent. Yeah. And, I, and now I kind of wish I hadn't, um, actually, in fact, but it was too. It was too much to like get over that stereotype about my intelligence. Yeah,
2: I I code switch a lot. Co-switch yeah. a lot too. But so if you talk about, about, I don't I don't know the direction, but let's talk about some of the things that like just real quick. And this is probably means nothing, but that I've interacted with right. Like I'm um, six feet, and don't get me wrong. I in high school I was a five sport letterman. In college I played football at the University of Missouri. You know, semi pro went to league, all those kind of things. But one, everybody automatically walks up to me, you're an athlete or you play sports or something. I'm like, yeah. what? And then (laughs) like it was so funny, so my son, so when he was a little baby, the only thing he did was walk. I I don't know. And everybody's like, oh, look, he's going to be an athlete when he gets older. And I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, where you make that assumption? Yeah. Um, And then the other thing is, uh, so I was a, a principal. I was assistant principal, and principal around 26. Mm-hmm. I was the youngest uh, superintendent. I was a superintendent um, around 32, 34. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had all my degrees um, by the age of 30. And wow. so imagine, uh, and this, I mean, people will walk up to me and it will be my assistant superintendent. It will be my secretary. I don't care who it is. And and you know male secretary, male teacher who are and people will walk up to them and say hello, Doctor Hickman, <laughs> and shake their hands, and I and I always just sit there like and they're always like no, this is Doctor, H- this is Doctor wow. Hickman, you know, it wow. it's the age, so it can be two me the same race as someone mm-hmm. or whether it's a different race, like. Those things are every time, and and I don't mean to monopolize, but every time, and this is still, even when I'm in an MBA program and people say, I always thought you would be older (laughs) because they read my resume. They're like, I thought you would be older. And I'm like, no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When people have that, they form an image, an expectation in their head, and you don't conform to it. I think... I, I. I see that sometimes when I go to meetings too, uh, in this world, where we're doing a lot of virtual meetings. Sometimes they'll, our first encounter will be a virtual meeting where the camera's on and they see my name, which is pretty Anglo, uh, Wesley <laughs> Faulkner. And when we get on the call, you, you see it in their eyes, right? You see that yeah. recognition, that surprise and that confusion. Um, and it's really hard to, to hide. And, uh and that is something that I, I'm keenly aware of from you know these calls to when I make an appointment at a, a new place or go to a doctor or go to, I don't know, the airport or even um, when I show up for a job interview, that their surprise in their eyes is almost like, now, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Like what is the thing that they had in their head? And what do I now need to live up to? Right. in order for them not to feel disappointed. No, you're right.
0: So how do you deal with it? What do you do when you see that surprise? Do you mention it or do you?
1: I learn not to flinch. That's a, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the number one rule is that you see it and then you don't recognize it because of that distance between knowing someone and making them uncomfortable. And usually, unfortunately, um, in those interactions, there's a power dynamic. Where it's now up to me to take care of their feelings uh, because they yeah, can influence cool. how things go. No, but he's right. Uh, he's right.
0: Yeah, no, I know he's right.
1: My whole life <laughs>
2: doing that. <it>. you right, <laughs> and you're right. It's not cool. Yeah. But, it, but I mean,
0: what do you do? It is what it
2: is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah.
2: the same yeah. thing. When I, you know, I don't embarrass the people for saying I'm Doctor Hickman. I just try to continue the conversation and be gentle to make sure they're not, they're not uncomfortable, but he's right. You start to placate to their, their uh, emotions and feelings.
0: And sometimes I think the bias, when you point it out, people still can't get over it. Like one time I was, I was on a, uh, I was, I, I was on a board of directors and we had to go into a room where there was a lot of security And somebody came and uh, uh, the security person walked in and he pointed at me and he said, you're not on my list. And I said, my name is Kim Scott. And he looked at his list and he said, there's no woman on my list. (laughs) And now I know what's going on. I said, well, my name is Kim Scott. Do you want to see my driver's license? You know? And he's like, there wasn't a woman on my list, Wow! Like, but there is like what, like, and I didn't want to, you know, he's like going to prevent me from going in the room. So I didn't want to get angry about it. So again, now I'm like trying to gently explain to him that I am Kim Scott and I am a woman, even though he didn't expect me to be. And it's, yeah, it's, it's tricky.
2: Yeah. Well, wow. but a name like that also, that's sometimes gender neutral in other, yeah. other cultures, yeah, like in Asian cultures, Kim is a uh, you know a, a male. So, and yeah. also
0: uh, often Kim is a can be a, a a man. I know several Kims who are men. Who, yeah. Um. Who, who, who aren't Asian? You know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. like a gender. In fact, my name is not Kimberly; it's Kimball. So it's even worse.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, or not worse, but it's even more gender neutral.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, so wh- yeah, world world is upside down, topsy turvy, and we're all just trying to do that weird dance. And yeah. it is those people who are more set in their ways, maybe those maybe those who didn't read enough uh, to <laughs> <laughs> to be able to have that flexible framing of how the world is actually more different and v- more vast than their own their own personal experience. Um, yeah. and
2: to, to address biases in people. Is an attack on their character. It's an attack on their be- their self, their being. And I'm talking about to go through a workshop, not me address them. But for yeah. them to, for anyone to internalize their biases and bring them up to the conscious level, like that is, that is attack hard. on Yeah, it's, it's real hard. It, yeah.
0: And I feel a little bit like we're at this moment in time, like with all this book banning and stuff. I, I I feel like it's an Oedipal moment, not in the usual sense of of an Oedipal moment, but but it, when when Oedipus realized what he had done wrong—that he had murdered his father and married his mother—what did he do with that new understanding? He gouged his eyes out. You know, it was like a very violent metaphor, and I feel like that's what this book banning—and that's what. Sometimes people want to do when you bring up their when you point out their bias to them they they can't cope with it, and so they they don't gouge their own eyes out. They gouge your eyes
2: out. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Well, politics is a little bit different. I, I mean, I I have to believe that some people don't believe the stances that they're making. <laughs> just yes,
0: yeah, it's, just it's polarized. Based, on
2: I mean, it just
0: yeah, it can't
2: you cannot be serious, you know? <laughs> but hey, I, I tell you. Um, so when you start thinking about the change of times, so when I was a superintendent in Houston, mm-hmm. uh, we had a strong Hispanic, strong Catholic population.
0: Mm-hmm. So we what had year a, is this? Two thousand
2: and fifteen. Okay. And we had um, we had a student that one minute in, in first grade or maybe kindergarten, it was a boy,
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: second, I mean, in first grade, you know, totally hair dressed like a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted to go to the girls' bathroom and all that, and so the the of course the dads were very upset, uh, mm-hmm. and immediately my principal had that student go to the nurse's bathroom. Well, come to find out, were in violation of that child's rights. Yeah, you know yeah. Uh, that that the child was able. And then it was it was like all kind of like um, th- like the panic, not the kids. The adult yeah, right? it, it, yes and so the other band that they were trying to do is that for this teacher, there's always a student goes down the rotation that gets to pass out the paper towels in the restroom for the kids watching and so they didn't want this this kid Child. To pass out the paper towel they didn't want oh, them to God. have that responsibility in the bathroom a you know, <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah so I mean it's it you know it was imagine the the parents that were in my office and they were very upset. Uh, you know, that this, and it's going to rub off on the rest of the kids and all those kind of things. Yeah. It's the, the world is different and, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of biases uh, in the world.
1: Can can I ask you about something? Because you brought up HISD um, and just recently they, it, it, the, the state has taken control of the school system and they're converting libraries into like disciplinary spaces and so there are you still in touch with the the people there do you, do you have you are you familiar with what's going on uh, related to that
2: i, I didn't i'm from i'm in touch with people but not that that's going on i didn't
1: i, I grew my- up in houston so that's why i heard about it and i was like say what now Gosh. so not only are they like banning books they're closing libraries and then um turning them to places of Discipline, which is really scary, but well, sorry hard. to.
0: So you they they send kids to the library when they misbehave.
1: Yes,
2: running wow. out, running out of, of spaces.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Now, so closing libraries. So I, so I, I go back and forth on closing libraries. Okay. One is these babies are digital natives. Like yeah. At two years old. Matter of fact. I promise you, go to a, a store or restaurant, infants have iPads and phones in their little basket and they're yeah. flipping I yeah. mean, before they even get to one, right? So yeah. this is a true digital native uh, population. And the, the paper is us. Like we feel like in order for a child to learn how to read, they have to flip a page. And there's only five ways to learn how to read. It has nothing to do with the texture of a page or those things. Um and so and it's weird because a, li- a library only holds so much where uh technology you can you can access any you know uh text as possible. So it's, some of that stuff is where it was almost like the revolution of they stopped teaching cursive in school like <laughs> the older generation they they are livid that they don't teach cursive And I'm like when do you use cursive to, to make a signature well they we need to learn how to Well, if to write a signature we can teach them how to write a signature and by yeah. the way i can't read your signature so it's <laughs> so, so chicken scratch counts as a signature yeah. but yeah so it's other things that are so in other words i'm just saying it's things that are very polarizing that it's hard it's hard because they, they tug at your heart like we live through books the books there are you know, even yeah. I, even my my other, my children who are twenty three and eighteen and fourteen. They're still kind of hybrid, you know. So yeah, if you, if you eliminate libraries for them, they love holding stacks of books and and reading them. But I'm telling you, this younger generation, it's it's their it's That's friends. a good point. That's and a good food. point. F valid point.
0: But you can put computers with internet access media, in media libraries. Yeah. yeah, media yeah.
2: centers. Although people call them media centers, and they're still. <laughs> No technology.
0: In <laughs> oh, really?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. I've been around the United States. Yes.
0: What's in there then?
2: The same. It's just the same. It's just, for some reason, they just changed the name.
0: It's still uh, a library. It's still yeah. a bunch of books, but it's called a media, media center.
2: Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and not, not an attack, attack on books or literature. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: You know, we, we also, I mean, it's it's hard. Like I, I haven't figured out emotionally that fine line. Uh, yeah, you definitely couldn't go to a school district. Well, apparently in Houston, but you couldn't go to a school district and take away libraries and, and those kind of things. I think you should
1: at least maintain the space. I think space does dictate at least the kind of environment. Right. Depending on like cold, hard you no know, windows as opposed to air. I think space does help with getting in the zone. And so even if there aren't any physical books, or maybe there are only a few physical books, I think having a, at least a space that's maintained for the expansion of knowledge, I think is still important rather than seen as a place that you don't ever want to go because oh, yeah. no, that's I- that's where you get corrected. You know what
0: what I heard about libraries? I was asking I was asking a bunch of high school kids recently, like what what do they do in the in the library? Uh and what they told me is they make out in the library. That's what well, the, <laughs> so it, all it, kinds it, of stuff is happening in the library. You
2: can do so for it. There's so many nooks and crannies. Yeah, it's quiet. That nobody <laughs> I, is touching the books, but they're hiding behind the shelves. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. You should get, I think you have just nailed the coffin on shelves and books in the library. Or, let's get, or them, let's open get rid the of them.
0: doors. Now the kids are really <laughs> interested in going to the library. And, you know, they need to, like, we, we want them to talk to each other in person again. You know, my kids, oh, yeah. I have 14 year olds and they, they it's hard to get them to, like, get together mm-hmm. in person. So
1: There's a Friends episode about Ross Geller's book. Uh-huh. Uh, in the back of the library where no one went. And so that's where people went to make out. And so he started patrolling that area just so it, <laughs> people weren't uh, doing things untoward yeah. in the same area as his book. But yeah. anyway, sorry, Dr. Phil,
2: go so for adults, adults also carry biases and in it in travels out into their actions, let's say in in the schools. For instance, let's go back to libraries. If If a student picks up a book and they mm-hmm. check it out and they don't like it, They make them read that book, but as an adult, if you pick up a book and you don't like it, you move on to another one. Yeah, Yeah. it's like wait a minute. No, the student has to read that book because they picked it up.
0: What? Like (laughs) that is a way to get to prevent kids from experimenting.
2: But that—that is probably ninety-five percent of how it's done. Really?
0: Uh, Wow, that's
1: traumatizing. That is.
0: That's upsetting. All right. Shall we Shall we, Shall we? we declare victory? We figured out how to deal with bias. We're going to solve all the world's problems.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, listen, I really, in all seriousness, Dr. Phil, I really, and is that what you want us to call you, Dr. That's Phil? Fine. Is, that, is, That's fine. is that really? Uh, well, why
2: don't you want to call me that? Because I don't look like him.
0: You look like you, you look like you have totally changed my image of of what and who Dr. Phil is. That's what uh, we're doing. So thank That's you. what it's about. <laughs> uh, but but I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate the work you're doing in the world. It's so important. And I'm I'm deeply grateful to you uh for, for all of the above.
2: No, I, I appreciate you guys and this was a great opportunity uh to actually i'm an your expert i learned some things right and and so i, I do appreciate that i still that was think my purple flag i still think it's oh goodness goodness gracious
0: Ouch. okay you, you are, too so i just want to say yo. <laughs> y'all you
2: can in our fairness i and, and listen here's something that's funny when i say you guys i'm actually trying to I'm actually
0: yeah, trying to be switching.
2: Right? No, I'm actually trying to be sensitive. It's
1: like, <laughs> I failed. <laughs>
0: no, you didn't fail. Look, I tell you, that's a, it, it is very difficult to change vocabulary. And in fact, my daughter, who goes to an all-girls school, although it's not clear what all-girls means anymore, um, mm-hmm. since a lot of those... Children don't identify as girls, but anyway, they she she goes to this school or they go to this school, and they say you guys all the time. So it's like we're yeah. kind of we're kind of shuffling the deck on gender. No,
2: I mean he's right, but the, the the I think the other issue that you guys already addressed was you all it, you all.
0: <laughs> it is hard to
2: because <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you okay why. because you talked about having a well, I say a shared understanding, but a shared vocabulary. So the only way that you can change behavior, if you have a replacement behavior that's inconsistent, right? So replacement vocabulary. No one has given me a replacement vocabulary. So I'm going to always revert back to my instincts Yeah. consciously, Wesley, I'm waiting for (laughs) an appropriate replacement word that I can use, which is... Y'all. 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 Well, I say y'all all the time. And we get in trouble for saying y'all. You do? Oh, yeah. Midwest and Southern... People say y'all. So yeah. if you go to the, to the East Coast, they look at you like you're crazy. You yeah. Are they ask you how to spell it? You all, because it's, because it's you all.
0: Yeah, you all. And yes, say
2: y'all. So if I say y'all,
1: you're gonna get my my. I'm not. My
0: I'm not, because that's what I say, but other people might.
1: Well, but Funny enough, we actually covered this same topic in our previous episode right before this one uh, oh, wow. about how habits are really hard to change Yeah. and uh, we need to give grace and we need to give uh, give them time to be able to make the transition because it won't happen overnight. And like you're saying, it's, you you're, you can't change a habit you've formed over years, decades yeah. in, in one episode of a podcast. Yeah. And you so got to figure out what,
0: what 20... to say instead. You're right. Yeah. Folks, you're how having... about folks? No, folks, you're right
2: folks is a good one too. So you have to direct teach behavior. So it's the same thing. What schools are supposed to do is, uh, it's called MTSS multi-tiered systems of support. The reason why that's important is if a student is failing in math, what do we do? We give them remediation. If a student is failing in behavior, we kick them out. So the problem is that you have to direct teach behavior and direct teach skills, shared understanding, vocabulary, all those kind of, you know, how to deal with the situation. And other than that, they're going to keep coming back doing it just like we just like you all have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, we keep it. doing the same thing over and over again yeah. until we are taught replacement behavior. So, yeah,
1: it's, it's words, of words of wisdom,
0: words yes. of wisdom stand on.
1: We're all struggling in our own way. Yeah, I know I am. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, If people wanted to find you online or hear about this, uh, your startup about learning how to read using AI, where would they go?
2: So, one find me is uh, Dr. Phil is on uh, LinkedIn. So, you can look me up that way. But um, as far as my website, it's www.playbookeducation.com. And that's playbook spelled P L A B O O K education.com. And the tool or product uh, for reading is called Playbook. The reason why I didn't misspell it, and I, you know, as a reading tool, I wouldn't misspell a word, but it is a great conversation because everybody asks, you know, why would you misspell a reading word? But because it's a multisyllabic word, the vowel can scream its name. So Playbook is the, instead of Plybook, Playbook is the appropriate, one of the appropriate
1: ways to say it. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. I bet the domain was available as well. So that helps. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us. And if you are listening to this episode and you want to give us feedback, please send us an email at hello at just work com while we still have it. And uh, if you want to rate us and review us on your favorite podcast listener, uh, we would love to get your five stars if you have it. Uh, And thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.
2: All right. Thanks guys.
1: Take care, everyone. All right. <laughs>